Welcome back to Focus. We've got a little bit of a recording situation here. I got myself a little isolation chamber thing. It's not quite convenient to read through, but it'll work. It's pretty nice. I'm Ron Sisko, and it's nice to see you back. Today, what was kind of on my mind is the thought of keeping your opinion to yourself until you're asked for it. Now, that's kind of a strange place to be. As a person who puts himself out on the internet, not just on podcasts, where I actively ask for your, your uh, feedback, but on Twitch, on YouTube, every time I, I try to do something, I do so publicly knowing that criticism is an outright expectation. I would say that 99% of us don't like being criticized. I'm probably in the minority there. I like knowing what you think. I like knowing what you feel like I can do differently. I like uh, being able to make improvements and, and really see those improvements make a difference. When you're left in a vacuum without someone else's opinions, it's really difficult to progress in a way that you find meaningful because the only way you'll progress is the way that you think you know how to do something. And the truth of the matter is, you don't. 99% of us do not know how to progress without someone's outside opinion. One of, one of the wonderful things that happened with the internet revolution and YouTube and, and Facebook and Instagram is that... We've opened ourselves to the opinions and, and advice, and sometimes it's not, most of the time it's not great advice, but the, 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 the flavors of different people and different attitudes and different cultures and different thought processes. You've been able to crowdsource uh, a way of thinking, and that's, that's so important to us today. We look at situations like Wikipedia, which is um, actually pretty fascinating. I was doing some research on a song or an album in Wikipedia, and I noticed that most of the article had been edited by the lead singer of the song, of the, the, the group. Immediately, your first thought is to trust almost exactly what it's being uh, relayed to you. The, the information there has to be legitimate, right? Well, unfortunately, there's some legal trouble between the lead singer and one of the other members of the, uh, the previous versions of the band who trademarked the name of the band I don't know, in order to make people miserable or to take credit for the music that he didn't write, it's really confusing. And because of that legal situation, it immediately changes the way I think. You really have to think about it. You would think that the person most directly involved in the situation, and definitely a person who is legally uh, kind of in a, a weird situation, the name of the band is When in Rome. And the names, the song that they're most famous for is The Promise. So when I was looking up the information there, I noticed that When in Rome only had one album. Uh, Not that I'm going to turn this into that episode, but but they had a second album in 2015. So they had one album in 1988, a second album in 2015 called When in Rome 2. Although they also called the band When in Rome 2. So this is really confusing to me. So I looked up what had happened with the band, because that's what you do with your research. And, and that information was, was, uh, was there. And we read, it, we read Wikipedia articles, I think, today, without the right amount of care that we should. Because even though a Wikipedia article is very helpful information, is general information, and generally speaking is more useful than the information that you would have gotten from I don't know, uh, your schoolyard like back, de- back in the day when we used to share stupid information like, uh, actually, I think I heard this one in a, um, uh, a science classroom that you only use 10% of your brain and blah, blah, blah. And we all know that that's not true. And if you're listening right now and you think that's not true, uh, that, that is true, you're wrong. 
It's not true. We use a lot more than 10% of our brain. But the thought and the idea and the appeal of having 10% of your brain be the, the limitation in that if you could p- push past that, you could break through some magic uh, barrier and, and unlock some other mysteries of the, the universe. That's the kind of stuff we should look at. When we read in Wikipedia, no matter how sensible an article might be, the realistic portion of it is there's no real vetting here. There's no one's reputation on the line. Wikipedia just says it's Wikipedia, and we just hope that you'll maintain it. So who else could maintain it? Who else would think to maintain it um, but the lead singer who's in, in uh, uh, conflict with one of the previous band members, I think the second iteration of the band, um, who, who went out of his way to try to cut the rest of the band out of the royalties for uh, the promise in, uh, in Napoleon Dynamite, right? That's what the Wikipedia article says. But what's the reality there? I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure because I feel like when you know that someone involved in a situation like that is responsible for writing the details down, for telling one side of the story that you should probably be interested in what the other side of the story story is. We do that in real life. We do that with our friends. Uh, you'll have conflicts with friends. One person will say one thing. Well, hopefully you're not anymore when you get to my age because at at um, 36, uh, hopefully your friends have gotten over the drama. But but you'll have friends who will, will have conflicts and they'll say, this person said this and this person did this. and uh, And you'll go to the other friend and say, no, I didn't do this. I did this. Because this person said this, and he said, she said, and how could you believe anyone? You should be suspicious of all of the circumstances because you don't know the context. And that's one of the biggest things I continue to rail about on this podcast is context is the most important part of any information that you are presented. Knowledge is power, but context is king or queen or whatever it is that you relate to. I I won't get into that, but... What's important is that whenever you have information provided to you by someone, not by scientific data, but even scientific data, it is important to know what the context of something like that is. The other side of the problem, the other side of the equation, is that he could be completely correct about what he's saying. And that is one of the biggest challenges as a human being, is determining whether or not somebody is telling you the absolute truth about a situation. And that's, that's fair. It's difficult. You, I don't know how you could ever tell. Even when you're really good at telling when people are lying, and, and I am, that doesn't mean you're getting the information that you actually need to get. You're only getting one person's perspective, which is completely different. When you look at politics in particular, people will come up with different uh, statistics around the same studies. And I, I think it's very interesting how we interpolate data in order to, su- uh, to support our cause rather than looking at the data and asking what it actually tells us. We constantly, constantly have our own interests butting in to what should be effective information. Where am I going with that? What, what, what is the whole point of this episode? You might be asking yourself. And that's really interesting because it's one of those things that kind of came up to me, like most of these things, when I do research or when I'm working on a project or when I'm streaming, uh, that that I I think about where something comes from or how the information is gathered, or I think about how we should accept that information, and in this case, it's how we should output that information. 
Now, I always feel like a hypocrite whenever I come up with one of these subjects, but the truth is life, is, life is hypocrisy, and balancing those things is how you get right with yourself. As a person who is an accidental uh, food critic, an accidental music critic, an accidental movie critic, I'm constantly looking at where the balance between art, expression, and, and reality, and, and consistency are. It is 100% possible to make a bad movie. It is 100% possible to make a great movie boring. It is 100% possible to make a bad movie amazing and fun. Same thing with music. Same thing with food. I, Lord knows that is, as uh, wine and caviar as my tastes might be, I still enjoy a good burger. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It just needs to be loved it needs to be appreciated so when i talk about what i'm about to talk about um, realize that i think that there's a place for criticism and criticism is is a cornerstone of development and it doesn't matter what you're working on it doesn't matter what you do being able to accept criticism and affect change uh will always make you better now that's not to say that you should always accept everyone's criticism and affect everyone's change because that loses individuality but it gives you the opportunity to make those decisions for yourself are you the type of person who's looking to please crowds or are you looking to uh, distribute your message more effectively so with that in my mind i look at what we do on the internet and i talk about youtube and and twitch and and instagram and facebook and Twitter, usually with a little bit of disdain, despite the fact that I use these platforms on a daily basis. Because I don't like what they've done to our society, I do like what they provide to our society. The problem is, what they've done to our society is all self-afflicted damage. When I get upset about Facebook, or Instagram, or Twitter, I'm not upset about the platforms themselves. I'm upset about what they turn people into. Because the truth of the matter is, left unchecked, people are incapable of making the right decisions for themselves on the whole. Just like every broad generalization, there's obviously going to be some exception to the rule. And I'm sure there are people out there listening to this who are saying immediately, well, I don't have Facebook or I don't have Instagram or I do have those things and I don't act that way. I use my Twitter account mostly to bitch about companies doing things wrong. Because I think, to me, in my mind, if a company doesn't know they can't change it. But they also don't care. So Twitter is the perfect place to put it. That's, that's my thought. So in those cases where you provide a customer service experience, where you provide a product, where you provide some sort of entertainment, you, in my mind, are asking for feedback. Unless you explicitly say, I don't want to hear anything about it. In which case... I think we on the whole should ignore that media. I think that it is important to realize that anytime you put out a product, a product, keep that in mind, a product, that you are making yourself available for criticism. Now that sounds super, super negative when you listen to it that way, but, but we have to look at this objectively. Look at the context of it. Critically speaking, you can get valuable information so it's not always a negative thing but it will come with things you don't want to hear 
Criticism always comes with things you don't want to hear. Either because you didn't do them well, or because the people you're paying to do the job aren't doing the job well, or for whatever reason. Sometimes it's static. And this is the biggest problem with with, uh, those opinions, is that when you have valuable criticism, it's hidden between thousands of people just making noise. One of the reasons I started this podcast in the first place wasn't about positivity, although I would like to see a general trend toward positivity, because if you stop and think about your impact in the world and other people's lives, I think that you realize that you would rather be a positive force than a negative one. There are definitely exceptions to that rule, but I think most of us look at our effect on people and say, I want to leave people with a general feeling of happiness, comfort, or smile, entertainment, whatever it is. That you want to you create an effect on people's lives that is not a negative effect. That you don't want to change their lives to the worse. And when somebody provides a product to you, whatever that product might be, whenever they're selling something to you or selling something to you on behalf of someone else, that is when it's appropriate to criticize someone, to, to give valuable feedback or to tell them that they're bad, whatever it is that you're doing. But what isn't appropriate is, is the, the amount of stack that we generate just by criticizing people on the whole. One of the things that scares me most about the idea of running an interv- internet review show, like, like I would like to, like I'm, I'm currently working on, is the thought that I would that I'd eventually turn negative. It's actually something I'm very uh, aware of because I, I, I listen to a lot of critics on YouTube and, and uh, some podcasts, and I like hearing other voices and seeing what their presentations are like and and understanding like what I appreciate and what I don't appreciate because the show should always be about what you appreciate and what you don't because when you when you allow your your um I wouldn't even say your fan base when you allow people from a peripheral to to tell you how to run your life you end up being not happy with it so many internet internet review shows had become especially in the advent of the late 90s to the early 2000s had become just railing angry i i can't even describe it if you're familiar with the angry video game nerd and uh and if you're if you're if you've ever watched youtube you probably have seen a video or or some sort of clip from him uh james rolf uh you'll you'll know what i'm talking about and it's not james in particular that i'm upset about because when i watch his content i realize that there's a character there and that you know it, there's there's definitely an appeasement he, he does things that he thinks that the fans are going to like, and he got tired of it, and that's fine. And you can kind of watch what that's evolved into now when he puts out new videos. He still, he still tries to make his fans happy, but he's attempting to evolve his content against the advice of people who like his content. One of the hardest things you can do is take someone's criticism and then ignore it knowing that that person will probably stop consuming whatever it is that you're interested in selling. So the criticism there isn't for James Rolfe, it's for everyone who came afterwards and did exactly the same thing he did, but without the perspective, without the the meta-narrative, without the idea that this wasn't actually how he represented himself, this is just a product, right? But these people will come and they'll, they'll find their feelings reaffirmed by something that James had said or expressed in, in some sort of uh, profanity-laden spiel. And, and they would say, oh, well, this is, this is how we want to express ourselves now. So 
this is this is what I'm going to do. And despite the fact that the formula is almost exactly the same, because of the lack of self-awareness, so much of the content in that time period, and probably the four or five years after uh, the angry video game nerd got big, was just people being angry for no reason. There's a sense of entitlement that comes along with expressing your opinion that that is unbelievable in a lot of ways. There's no way to hold someone responsible for their opinions because we've gotten used to saying, well, that's the difference of opinion. Well, that's just your opinion, man. What we've gotten used to saying is that what you said is not pleasing to me and I'm going to dismiss it. And in defense, everyone gets angry. The problem is so many opinions get dismissed in that same way. Well, there's a difference of opinion or whatever that is. The truth is when you tell someone to do something a different way, you're, you're really, you're imposing a, uh, a force on them that I don't believe is fair. It doesn't matter who they are or what they're like. If they ask you, what, what, what would you do differently? It would be something else, you know? But, but when you're just out there forcing your opinion down someone's throat, and again, this is not a product when we're talking about just your opinion. It's either hurtful or it's going to get dismissed as static. And again, we come back to the sense of context. One of the things that's hardest for me to enjoy about the internet, and I'm not talking about YouTube uh, because that's a whole different world, and I'm not talking about Twitch. I'm talking about Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. One of the things that most disheartens me is the thought that people can't just enjoy their lives or enjoy other people's lives or allow people to enjoy their lives. Until someone is asking for your opinion, someone's asking for help, someone's asking for a change in the way they think, the way you think is not what people are looking for. And I know that it's vain to post a part of your life and just expect everybody to say, oh, that's wonderful, we're so happy for you. The truth is, there are um, caveats to, to posting your life publicly. There are, there are difficulties in sharing those things. And while we are more open now because of Facebook friend groups and Twitter groups and, and having social exposure to all of these thoughts that would have been reserved for your closest of friends who, who are now all Facebook friends, we, we open ourselves to a forum where people can sit and think about what you've said or done, or maybe they don't think about what you've said or done, and become incensed. And it could be something as simple as how you, you raise your children. You see, I'm not going to claim that I'm completely innocent of this one. I am absolutely guilty. I'd have, I've never said anything to anyone. But I'm absolutely guilty of thinking about someone's parenting skills. And there are definitely some of us that I think we could objectively say are bad parents. But for the most part, to criticize anyone's parenting skills is absolutely ridiculous. And that's not what the subject of this podcast is, but that's, that's where I am right now, is, is that, that specific example. I, I had thought about someone's parenting skills, and we do it constantly on the internet. We do it 
uh, in the mall. We do it on television. We do it uh, at at campgrounds. We do it. At, we do it everywhere. I won't. I won't continue to list places that we do. We do it literally everywhere. Where we look at other people's parenting and we say, "You're doing it wrong." And for those people, and for me, as a person who has to remind himself constantly, there is no such thing as good parenting. I don't have kids, so I don't know why I came to this conclusion, but there is, there is truth in the matter. No matter how good of a parent you are, it won't make up for a good family. No matter how good of a parent you are, it won't make up for a good community. And no matter how good your family or community are, you cannot stop yourself from making mistakes as a parent. You can only second-guess your decisions after you've made the mistakes. Children don't grow up with only one route. There's not only one path. There are children who grow up in terrible situations and they end up being what we seem, see as amazing people. And there are people who grow up in, in optimal situations with attentive parents and they grow up uh, completely, I wouldn't say wrong, but, but it seems like they grew up in spite of all of the things that had happened to them. And that's hard. Some of us grow up a certain way because of how we are raised and some of us grow up in spite of how we are raised and uh, most of us are an amalgamation of that that factor i think of my own childhood i think of how i i was raised and i appreciate that my parents did everything they could to provide the best life that they could for me i do i really do and and i look back at my childhood and i think about all of the things that they've they've done right by me by my, my opinion of what good parenting is and all of the things that, that have left permanent scars. And I know that some of the scarring is just from what they thought they were doing right. I know that parenting is a complete mystery. There's guidebooks everywhere and all of those guidebooks are crap. It's money that you've thrown into making yourself feel like you're a, a, a better parent than you are. None of us, and I don't have kids... None of us know what we're doing when it comes to children. All of us have this great idea of what you should be doing when it comes to children. It doesn't apply. And I see that on Facebook, and I see that on Instagram especially, and I see that on Twitter. People looking at each other's lives and telling them that they're doing it wrong. Parenting being the most, I think, hard, the hardest to witness because it hits close to home. And I hate seeing myself do the same thing. It doesn't end there. It's, it's your car. It's your motorcycle. It's your grass. It's your boat. You have all these people offering you information. And when you're asking for it, it's wonderful to have. But the truth is, people don't know what's wrong with your car. People don't know what's wrong with your grass. People don't know what the situation is. And without context... And that's why a product is so important. Without context, no one can give you the right advice for you. And that goes the other way. Without context, no one can give the right advice for anyone. You 
can't give the right advice for anyone. You could see yourself in that same situation. You can, you can recognize the symptoms of something that you had already dealt with. But the truth is, you don't have the context. And so, at the very end of this episode, what today's episode was about is keeping your opinion to yourself unless you're asked for it. Because the truth is, all of us give horrible advice in so many different ways. And until you're asked for help, it's just static. Focus is a Patreon-supported podcast, and I want to thank you again for continuing to listen despite the hiatus. That's good to be back, and I'm really glad I have this little um, recording uh, studio thing. I don't know. It, it definitely helps drown out a lot of the ambient noise that just kind of happens. I kind of wonder what it would sound like with the generator on. Hmm. We'll have to figure that out probably next week. Just the same. I say that a lot. Just the same. I'm glad you're here. I want to thank the Patreon supporters. We're currently keeping the lights on for this project. Uh, hopefully you'll continue to help me um, as, as time goes on. As, as I've come to terms with the lack of employment, as I've, as I've figured out that, uh, that nothing goes my way out here on the frontier, like so many other people, no matter how prepared you are, you're not prepared. So thank you, Anastasia Viverhausen, Vigilante, The White Prince, and Enrique Ramos, for your continued support, because it's it, it definitely helps me um, helps me give a give a give a place to express myself. This is a journal of sorts, a place that I wanted to uh, to express uh, express that that I don't know the thought process, the thought that you can criticize your own thought process. I guess. So thank you so much. Uh, if you heard anything that you disagree with or anything you agree with or anything you'd like to say, you can email me, ron, at focusbycisco.com. You can find that information at focusbycisco.com. Um, or, you know, cre- create a, 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 a MP3, I, I guess. Uh, you, could, you could record an audio file or a YouTube video or whatever it is. If you have any questions or if you want to disagree with me, I'd love to hear it. Uh, I could possibly even feature that in, in a future, future podcast. Um, not necessarily uh, a, a main podcast, but like a response. I'd love to respond to anything that anybody would want to record. Uh, mostly I just get emails, which is still lovely. I, I, I do appreciate the few emails that I've gotten. They've been very thoughtful. So thank you. If you decide to share this with somebody, I hope it's because it means something to you and not because you think they, they need to hear it. Again, I want to thank you for being here. I'll see you when the plot requires it. But until next time, be excellent to each other. <laughs>